We are back and we've got the beef. It's what's for dinner. It's always what's for dinner in my house. And sometimes it's what's for podcasting. <laughs> yes. So a couple weeks ago, we went through the cut card and how to navigate it and all the different cuts of beef and how to make the most out of an animal if you're getting it processed. We briefly touched on a few cooking tips, but we had way more to talk about as far as cooking beef goes. So we just thought we'd make a beef. It's what's for dinner part two. It was heavily requested, I feel like, and people enjoyed the beef cut episode. So this is requested by you, our listeners. Yes. So thank you for the request. I'm, I don't know. I'm excited. I don't know if Mary Pat's excited. Are you excited to talk about how to cook? I am because I have like five things that I wrote down for this episode and you're going to carry it the rest of the way. (laughs) (laughs) In the last episode, we did have some recording that we kind of cut out. We had so much more to say about cooking beef. Levi kind of came in when we were recording once and told us how to perfect a steak. So we saved that recording to add into this episode. How do you cook a steak, Levi? Ooh, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to cook a steak. <laughs> My favorite is probably just the old traditional grill, but then I kind of like the What re- temp do you pull it off at? Um, depending on the crowd, but we, if it, you're grilling for me, 115 to 120. Okay. I said 114. So I was pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. And that, okay. Just a little food for thought for people The when you pull the steak off that a little, that depends on how hot you're cooking the steak at. Like if you're really pushing it, your grill's at like 500, that 114, 115, get it off. Now, if your grill's at like 200, 220, you can maybe take it to 225 because it's not going to gain as much temp once it's off And he says that because if it is at 500, you pull it off, you put it under that foil, all of that heat is still like pushing into the steak. So it will continue to cook a little bit. That's just something just to keep in mind. How how hot are you pushing it and how hard are you cooking it? Okay. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Never get like concerned or like, oh, it's like intimidated. Cooking meat and steaks and brisket and prime ribs and everything, it's just all you're doing is just warming the meat up. Just think of it like that. Like, I'm just got to warm this meat up to a temperature and it's done. Like, don't get It's not that simple. It can't be that simple. You're just warming the meat up. It cannot be that simple. It's like. How have I screwed up so many pieces of meat then? <laughs> well, I think because in our heads, it's like, oh, we got to get this cooked so it's safe. But yeah. like, it's it's safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could sear it and eat the it. The most... Fine. You could yeah. eat it raw, right? Mm-hmm. The most common is overcooking steaks. Like that mm-hmm. is, And then when you overcook, you dry it out. I mean, it just, the things compound and it's not so good. But yeah. I'll guarantee you, if you were like, you know, temperature probing it in like you could watch it over go over cook and like you know you, you just we have two of them in the house and it's saved a so lot people of- will ask me how long do you cook your steaks for and i'm like i cannot tell you a time it depends it's on the question. outdoor temperature the grill temperature like you have it, to go by it depends time. it depends what temperature the actual piece of meat is before you put it on the grill mm-hmm. i mean yeah let's let's be honest the the most perfect way is to get that steak room temperature before it goes on the grill well me and Jenna have been at like four thirty, five o'clock. Let's have steaks tonight. Hot water, frozen yep. <laughs> piece of meat, you know, in 20 minutes they're on the grill. 
that steak might take a freckle longer than a steak that we actually planned really well and had at room temperature. So, you know, it just, just check, just probe it with a meat probe. Mm -hmm. So I went to Colorado with some of my friends that also are beef producers and sell and ship their beef. And we were at this like rooftop bar at a hotel in Breckenridge. And this guy, these guys come out and there's grills for the people staying there. And this guy throws frozen steaks on a grill. No, we're just dying inside. And so one of my friends starts talking to him like, Oh, where do you get your meat from? And he's like, Oh, I'm Nebraska boy born and raised. I know good meat. You can't find be any, any, no better meat than what you can get at Sam's club. And <laughs> we're just dying. And we're like, why'd you put it on there frozen? He's like, Oh, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be so good and tender. And we were all just dying inside. I still think about his steak sometimes. And they probably <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> Levi, this episode has gone way longer than we wanted to, but real quick, tell us your secret to perfecting the prime rib or the brisket. Mm. You got to start with a really good seasoning and you got to season it a lot on the outside. Like you're going to be like, this is way too much. It's not, it's really not. Oh man. The Again, just warming it up to temperature. <laughs> you can't mess it up. You look literally... When you do a prime rib, do you start it on smoke or low? I like, yeah, I, smoke or, or however low your grill can go. Uh-huh. And the cool thing about that is there's really no right or wrong way to do it. I, I watch the temp, inside temperature of the prime rib when I put it on the grill, and I just put it on plenty early, give it an hour or two with your grill on the lowest setting, okay? Mm-hmm. And track it. In that hour or two hours, say I gain, gained 10 or 20 degrees in that internal temperature, well, oh, well, our party tonight's at five or six. It's three or four. If I continue to gain 20 degrees every hour, two hours, it'll be done in time. Or it's like, oh, you know, we only gained 10 degrees in two hours and we're going to have people here in two hours. So let's bump it up and then just can just monitor. Like the more you can watch it, I mean, for what little bit it costs to get, uh, you know, a, a meat thermometer probe that like stays in there and you can just monitor the temperature. It's so worth it. Like mm-hmm. you take, just take care of it and you'll use it for a long time. And um, yeah, good, a good seasoning. We have a couple different options that we use that we've really liked. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, just uh, it's, warming it up. It's that simple. This is making me real hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys use your special seasoning um, for your, for your prime rib and your briskets too. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. We use that. I'll put it on eggs, chicken. I'll put that thing on anything. I mean, same. You've got me hooked. I know. So I <laughs> literally say everything. What it's called, but since it's not actually ready and released, I don't want anyone to steal the idea. So I've kept my mouth shut. Did you <laughs> yes. notice how I picked I up what notice. you were putting down? <laughs> it's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, with Jenna's new secret seasoning, you can make any meat taste good. I'm she's he's not kidding. Everything. <laughs> Mary, I gave Mary Pat the recipe so she could make her own, and she's like, "I promise, I won't show it to anybody." <laughs> I've been very good about that too, and but it's I've I made a whole pint jar, and I'm almost out of it. Like, oh yeah, I feel like we blow through it. Yeah, yeah. so good. Yep. So pretty much. Um, Get your steaks thawed out or your meat before you cook it. Lots of seasoning and don't overcook it. Mm. You'll be fine. How many times have I said don't overcook my steak? Ooh, 
more than dollars I have. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, here's a quick question to maybe round out the conversation. Whoever's cooking the steak, do you get the best steak or do you get the worst steak? Like, do you take the overcooked one? Jenna, Jenna knows, Jenna knows the answer to this one. What? I'm really nice when it comes to, I'll always go last or. He does. He always makes sure everybody else has their steak of choice. If it's just us though, we've picked out our steak prior to grilling. But like if one gets overcooked somehow, will he take the overcooked one? Yeah, oh, he yeah, would. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that usually doesn't happen. Sometimes one might be a little rare for me, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> give me the actual medium rare, not the <laughs> medium raw. Raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If anything happens around here, it's probably undercooked and yeah. overcooked. To be honest, that's funny. <laughs> and I, I love medium rare. However, if I'm at a fancy restaurant, I will order it medium because, like, a true medium rare does kind of have that purpley muscle looking in the mm-hmm. middle. And I don't love that. So at fancy restaurants, I do go medium. But at Texas Roadhouse, you would still go medium rare. rare. (laughs) Maybe even rare. (laughs) And, you know, if you are cooking and you do get a steak like that, that's like, oh, man, this is just way too rare. And you have enough steaks or meat for everybody to eat that meal. Save that one. Don't put it back on the grill. That just becomes perfect for tomorrow's salad or whatever because mm-hmm. you can you cut it up thin. It's still really rare, and so you can put it in a pan just for a little bit to rewarm it, and you're not gonna like over 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 yeah it because it's so perfect. rare. Make yeah. that be your leftover steak, and then it's perfect for rewarming. Or we've done it on like sandwiches or salads or crackers. crackers. That's a great tip. Yeah. yeah, I like it. We love just slicing leftover steak up and eating it cold. Yep. I agree. I'd rather eat it cold than reheat it and overcook it. Agreed. Okay. So Levi kind of went over how to, didn't kind of, he thoroughly went over (laughs) how to perfect grilling or cooking a steak, whether it be on the grill, on a cast iron skillet, whatever you, whatever it is, he went over that. That was just kind of your basic steak cooking. So I would use his recommendations for like a ribeye, a T-bone, a New York strip, a sirloin, a fillet, uh, a chuck eye, kind of any of those mainstream steaks. There are a few steaks where I have some other recommendations. So we're going to go through those. We're going to go through all the other cuts of meat. I have a question on a chuck eye. Yeah. We got some chuck eyes from this new beef that we were, were waiting for when we recorded mm-hmm. the first episode. And they weren't as good as yours for some reason. I'm not surprised, oh. actually, kind of more annoyed than anything. <laughs> <laughs> but they were definitely tougher than the ones that we had from you. And I'm okay. sure it probably has a little bit to do with, obviously probably a lot of it to do with the dry age. Maybe I'd say genetics, the finishing program and the dry. Okay. Age. All three of those things have a play a role in the tenderness of the meat. So especially I feel like, yes, because you probably did it at a custom exempt butcher. So they probably, hung the animal for seven, maybe yeah. a max of 10 days. And that that really extra tenderness happens in like days 21 to 28. And I don't know. I guess that, that probably isn't a cut that they normally do. Correct. Mm-hmm. But is there any suggestions you have, I guess, for me in that predicament, not like kind of coming off of your meat? Coming to this mm-hmm. one that's a little more tough. How can I cook that where it's still going to taste good and I'm going to enjoy it more? 
I would say definitely get it to room temperature, season it ahead of time. So then that salt and sugar and the seasoning kind of seeps in there and kind of can help tenderize it a little bit. I've never used a meat tenderizer, but you could consider trying to tenderize it. Okay. Oh, like a like an actual hammer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do that with chicken. Yeah. I literally don't even own one, but it might be worth a try okay. if you know the meat is tough. Good news is if you buy beef from us, you're not going to have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. Okay. So since we kind of started with steaks, let's just talk about the rest of the steaks. So Levi kind of went over the the mainstream steaks, but there are some steaks that I recommended you have your butcher cut that I would maybe treat a little bit differently. The main two of those being the flank steak and the skirt steak. Now you can still grill these. The flank, I would still say season it and just grill it. It's thin. It does not take very long. So do not overcook it. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go the cast iron route with that one. I think I would just stick to quick and easy grilling. How hot is your grill? Hot, like four to 500 degrees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a smoker. That's the only type of grill I've ever really grilled on. But yeah, we just crank her all the way to high. Okay. I actually learned how to grill on the Traeger that Levi got for his high school graduation. So this thing was old and it had been through a lot of things and it survived a lot of storms at our house, but its only settings were smoke, medium, and high. That's <laughs> literally the only, it was a little turn knob. And that's how I learned to grill was literally either using smoke, medium, or high. <laughs> and you cook amazing meat. So obviously... It definitely doesn't always have to do with... I guess simplicity, y'all. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Okay, moving on to the skirt steak. You can grill this one. I think you would maybe be more happy with it if you... I know a lot of people will marinate it and let it take on a different flavor that way, especially if you're going to use it for fajitas or some sort of taco night. You can cut it into strips and you could still grill it, but then you could also like fry it up in your pan too. Our local restaurant actually buys a lot of our skirt steaks, and she makes these phenomenal cilantro rice burrito bowls with the marinated Mm. skirt steak. It's delicious. I had one yesterday. (laughs) That sounds yummy, and now I'm getting hungry. Uh, I won't spend too much more time on the steak since Levi deep dove how to season and cook a steak. Do you have any questions, Mary Pat? No, I I think I'm good. That That was helpful. I think my biggest the the biggest problem I have is getting it hot enough. Like you have to get whatever cooking platform you're using, the skillet, the grill, whatever, getting it hot enough. It's important. When you throw that meat on, if it doesn't go you're doing it mm-hmm. wrong. There needs to be a sizzle. Yeah. Even the butter on the cast iron, it should almost be like bubbling and Levi tempt it and like our cast irons were like a good 300 plus degrees before we put those steaks mm-hmm. on there. So yes, hot, hot surface. That's good to like help get the outside cooked, get that nice crust or grill marks on there, but still have the tender, not well done center. Mm -hmm. We are not about well done meat at my house. Yes. If that's your goal, you might want to listen to a different podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Moving on to roast. This is something that don't overcomplicate it. Simple, simplest way to do a roast. My biggest tip, start it when it's frozen. So wake up in the morning. I'm going to have a roast tonight. I'm going to put that frozen roast in my crock pot, add one to two cups of water, season the crap out of it. You cannot over season a roast. It's a huge piece of meat. 
So if you just season the top lightly, like it's going to break apart and like the seasonings are going to mix, like season, season it well and just put it on low and leave it alone for a good 10 hours. I think I'd say like eight to 12, but I think that 10 to 12 is really a sweet spot. So I would, if I'm going to have a roast, I'll literally start at first thing in the morning at like 6 a.m. so that it's ready at Mm. 6 p.m. when we want to eat supper. Okay, question. When you say Mm -hmm. a crap ton, (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you could visualize that in tablespoons, could you even guess for like a three to four pound roast? I would say like four heaping tablespoons, which that's a quarter cup or more. Hmm. There's 16 tablespoons in a cup. So yeah. Okay. Really Get it in there. I wish you could see Jenna right now. See my arm right now. (laughs) It's kind of the seasoning I use to season a roast. It doesn't even have the shaker top on. It's literally in a jar and I just take the lid off and go shaker on there. Okay. Yeah. So what I do often use are homemade dry ranch mix. I use that on roasts a lot. There's a thing called, oh, people from the South, I'm sorry. I don't know which state to give credit to. I think it's like a Mississippi Mm -hmm. pot roast. That's it. Is it? Is that the With right the state? Peppers, oh. yeah. Yes, and I think even a stick of butter. Uh huh. But you feel like pepperoncinis. So I do like doing. I the water's key. A lot of I like my ranch mix. I think the Mississippi pot roast calls for like a ranch packet, but we don't do those here. We use the homemade ranch mix. So I just shake some on, do the pepperoncinis. Ugh, so good. Yes, I love that one. You'll have to link your homemade ranch mix uh, in the show I notes. Will. I there's not a lot on my blog, but the homemade ranch mix does have a spot on the blog because it was a reel that went the most viral thing I've ever posted. Yep. Wild. And I Wild. I bought all the ingredients to make it and I haven't made it yet. Uh, what in the world? I know Mary because Pat? you have to buy like these different things that you might not have. You do. Yes. So I need to put it together, but this yeah. is my inspiration. Before we move on from just your basic roast, I also had somebody on Instagram tell me once to use pickle juice. Mm-hmm. So if we have pickles, I will save back pickle juice to then dump in with the roast. I've done that before because of you, and it's delicious. It is delicious. And it doesn't taste like pickles. Nope. It just tastes delicious and tender. Mm-hmm. So the number one thing with a roast is to put it in frozen. You can add any of the veggies that you want to do. Like I said, don't overcomplicate it. A lot of times, though, I literally will just throw the meat in there. If I have potatoes, onions, carrots, great, but I don't stress about it. And I don't always love cooking the veggies that way because they just get mushy, and I'm a huge texture girly. So I would much rather roast the veggies separate and have them with like a nice, juicy, tender roast. Yum. Um, What else was I going to say roast-wise? I've never done one completely frozen. So this is kind of new to me. Maybe I have done one. So here's why. Because if you thaw that roast, you're going to take the meat out of the package and all that juice Uh that's in there. What are you going to do with that? It's going to get thrown away. Yep. And what is, yeah, what is that juice called again? Do you know the scientific word? Yeah, it's myo, myoglobin, I think. It's not blood. Myoglobin is the protein found in red meat that transport oxygens to the cells. So when you see that juicy stuff, that's what that is. It is not blood. So you, if you thawed your roast, I know you're not, you're going to see that and you're like, oh, I'm just going to throw that away. But if you put the roast in frozen, all of those juices are then maintained in there. And now they're cooked into your crock pot and they just make it so much more tender. That is so good to know. I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely never going to thaw a roast again. 
Don't ever, like it's such a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Just get that baby out. Once I was thinking ahead because there was actually a film crew coming and I knew I was going to be busy that day and I just wanted the food ready. And so I was ultra prepared and I thawed the roast and then I basically roached it in the crock pot the next day because (laughs) that's when I connected the dots. I'm like, this is why my frozen roasts are so much better Mm -hmm. because of all those juices. Man, I might want to make one tomorrow, but I don't have that ranch made yet. Okay. We got to keep talking. Sorry. We got to keep, yeah. (laughs) Worry about your menu later, Mary Pat. (laughs) Okay. There are going to be some cuts that say roast, but I don't want you to think Jenna told me, put this in the crock pot frozen Mm -hmm. because there are some exceptions to that. Like a prime rib roast, it's going to say rib roast. A prime rib will say that. So don't put a prime rib in your crock pot. Mm -hmm. We're not about that. That could honestly get its own episode. Real briefly, we season prime ribs really, really well. Again, you cannot over season a prime rib, a brisket, a roast because it's such a big piece of meat. Levi cooks it really slow on the smoker and then has a temperature probe in it, gets it to like 118 degrees, takes it off, puts it in the oven, cover in the oven, not on, just covers it until we're ready to eat it. Okay. Literally slow is how we do prime ribs. Okay. Like low temperature. Okay. Um, a tenderloin roast, same thing. Instead of the bit, so a prime rib would be, or a rib roast is the whole ribeye area. A tenderloin roast would be like the whole filet area. Okay. Same thing. Don't put that in your crock pot. And a more common cut that you might just have that's not necessarily for a special occasion is the tri-tip. That is going to say tri-tip roast. Do not put it in your crock pot. Season it. Treat that one like a steak. Grill it up. Slice it. Feed your whole family with one piece of meat. We love tri-tips. Mm-hmm. I think we had one from you guys once, and I think I asked you if I should put it in the crock pot, and you educated no. me. No. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I grilled it. Sorry. I grilled it. Yeah, grill it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The final cut that kind of goes in the roast category in my book is a brisket. It's not a roast, but – it's kind of its own unique thing. Mm-hmm. It's like that big fluffy area on the front lower neck of the animal. And we smoke these. So when you have brisket, sometimes you'll like the outer piece of the meat has kind of reddish and then the inside is more brownish. That reddish is from the smoking of it. So we always start ours on the smoker and then we finish it in the oven. And then they're just like tender, pull mm-hmm. apart, super yummy brisket. I need more practice. On the brisket. They are kind of something you need to perfect mm-hmm. for sure. I would not feel comfortable just going and doing a brisket by myself. Whereas most of these cuts of meat, I'm like, yeah, Levi will just come home to the food cooked. It's no big yeah. deal. Let's talk about the awful, awful, awful. I don't know how you say it. It's all of the cuts that are typically probably discarded unless you ask for them and are probably in our American culture are not very mainstream at all. So I'm talking about the tongue, the oxtail, the heart, the liver, the tallow. Am I missing any? You probably don't even know. So beef tongue. I have made this now. I can claim I have cooked and eaten a beef tongue. So you put it in your crock pot with some water, long time, like 10 to 12 hours. We did it overnight on New Year's Eve when my parents were here. And then the next day you have to like skin it, like take the tonguey looking part off. I wish you could see Mary Pat's face. I know. I know. But that, mu- like it's a huge muscle. If you haven't seen a beef tongue in person, they are huge. They're like 14, 
18 inches long. They're so big. Um, and that muscle on the inside though, that's like super, super tender meat. It is a little bit denser. So you take the tonguey part off and then it is just meat on the inside. We had it in the crock pot. So it was super tender, pull apart. I gave it to Walker. He just devoured <laughs> it like little, it's like the best little baby meat. Cause he could just eat it so easily. My family did eat it, but they didn't know that they ate it. Cause it's so totally a mind thing. So uh, when we get our animals custom exempt butchers for ourselves, this butcher will do a heat and serve beef. So it's kind of like thin sliced roast beef and a sauce and it's already seasoned and cooked. You just have to heat it up. We actually had it tonight. You just, I, you just kind of cut it up and we serve it, heat it up, serve it over mashed potatoes. I had all of that and I had the little sauce gravy stuff going on with it. And I was like, I have this beef tongue. What should I do with it? I just mixed it in with that. My family has no idea they ate beef tongue. No idea. <laughs> gotcha. Did you tell them after? Were they freaked out? I told them yesterday. They were laughing. Levi had no idea. Oh my god! It's like, are you serious? I said, yeah. It was in my fridge because we made this whole tongue, and Walker only ate a little bit of it. My dad did slice the tongue, and like we ate it on crackers with cheese. Uh, just, but it's you have to get over the mind yes, thing yes, that you're yes. eating a tongue because all it's a mind. I just thing. have to ask, as you're listening to this, who was like moving their tongue in their mouth, thinking about ripping the skin off of them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, I could try that. I would try that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I have a friend in town, and she married a Hispanic man, and they – that it's used a lot in Hispanic mm. culture. They use the beef tongues a lot of ways. Um, they're, all of her girls' favorite meal is tongue tacos. So <laughs> they'll take that tongue meat, and then they make – Tacos with it. I don't know exactly how she does it. I need to ask, but I want to try. Can you it imagine now. they go to school and they're like, "We had tongue tacos for dinner last night." <laughs> yeah, and you ask her daughters, and they say tongue tacos is my favorite meal. I really, I actually do want to try it, but I do have a question about how you cooked it. So you put it in the crock pot overnight. Do you season uh-huh. it like a roast? No, my dad literally just threw it in the crock pot with water. No like, seasoning. Just- Forget about it, Jenna. Yeah, no seasoning. Well, if you season it, I mean, you're going to peel all of the outer layer off. The meat is like truly hidden inside. Okay, so then did you season it after? I don't think so. You just ate the tongue. We just ate the tongue. Yeah. I mean, I mixed (laughs) it into that heat and served beef, but my dad literally just ate it on a cracker. Okay. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Food for thought. Okay, the oxtail. This is literally the tail. And if you see it in a package, there'll be like lots of little mm-hmm. the little bones of the tail. And there's meat around all of those. I have not made one, but I have a customer that has made one. And she sent me pictures and directions. I forwarded yes, it to because you, didn't I? I have a package of oxtail that stares at me every time I open my freezer. Uh-huh. And I haven't quite gotten the courage to do it yet. So Yeah. She said it's phenomenal. She slow cooked it and made a soup out of it. And... So you can treat that like a roast. I would honestly treat the oxtail like a roast. And then all of the juices and everything that are in there, you could pull the bones out then and then literally make a beef stew out of it. Mm-hmm. Add whatever veggies you want. But that you'll have a nice broth start with the juice from cooking the oxtail in the crock pot. I have gotten a lot more curious about bones and bone marrow. I don't know, uh-huh. in the last in the recent months, probably because of what's showing up on my social media feeds. But yeah. it has been really interesting to me to like use more of those pieces that yeah. aren't normally used. So we have soup bones too, and mm-hmm. I'll have customers buy those and then they'll make their own beef broth out of them. I'm embarrassed to say this. I've never even made beef broth. I do make a lot of chicken broth, but 
the beef broth is good too. I want to try that. That's on my yeah. to-do list. Okay, next is the heart. I had to kind of Google this because I've never cooked a heart, but fried, slow cooked, grilled, or braised in a stew, people eat the heart all of those different ways because it is still a muscle. Yep. And high, that is a good nutrient dense meat that you can still eat. Yep. You just have to get over that hump of I'm eating a beef heart. And different ethnicities have done such a better job of this than we have. And I do think they'll use it kind of like my friends do the tongue tacos. It'll be cooked a different way so that it's not like, oh, I'm just slicing into a heart. It's in a meal, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I had a – my fifth grade science teacher was really good about doing all of these cool things. And I remember when we learned about the human body, she got a beef heart from the butcher and cooked it and we ate it. That's really crazy Uh and cool. They're huge, by the way. They're like – They are big. I have a picture from high school holding one with a friend, and it's like we're both holding it in our hands. It's huge. You know what else is huge? It's the liver. (laughs) That thing is a monster. (laughs) All right. The first butcher we used would just – if I asked to keep the livers, they just like back seal this whole giant liver, and we'd have like this four or five-pound chunk of liver. So how do you – have you cooked the liver, and how do you use it? I have cooked the liver. What? (laughs) I'm laughing. I can't remember if we've talked about no. this on the podcast or not, but I had some friends that were wanting to incorporate liver. Oh, into yes. I shared we did talk about this on social media. So if you're like an OG follower, you're, you remember this. <laughs> and we didn't know what we were doing, but we were just going to try to figure it out. So our genius idea was to grind liver using our meat our meat grinder and then add it to ground beef. Well, if you just grind thawed liver, it actually just comes out like mush. It was like squirting out uh-huh, of the meat grinder. I remember it was like this the most now. horrendous yeah. noise. Yeah. Um, I come to find out if butchers that will grind liver, it's hard to find a butcher that will grind organs because they have like what they have to do to clean the machine before and after, but they do it with with the organ partly frozen because so it doesn't turn into that mm-hmm. mush. So some butchers will grind kidneys or liver, different organs, and kind of make – they call it like a primal mix, Mm -hmm. primal ground beef. I've had customers ask for this, but I have not found a butcher willing to do it. So what I do have now though is uh, our butcher will freeze the liver and then they'll thin slice it. So you'll have like a half pound or one pound chunk of this thin sliced liver. So then if you do want to use it in something, it's easy to thaw. You're not like thawing Mm -hmm. out a four pound – organ. And I have some friends that'll like just slice it or cube it and swallow a chunk of it. It's nature's multivitamin. It's super nutrient dense. And our culture does not do a good job of utilizing that at all. Even I feel like our grandparents grew up eating organ meats, like liver and onions was a normal meal. Mm -hmm. And that's totally not a thing for our generation. Right. Yeah. And I know we've talked about on the podcast before too, but Josh takes organ pills Mm -hmm. i want to start because he recently did not get the cold that me and harper got but also i was off the colostrum that i was taking for like at least a month so Mm. i think i need to get back on something and i don't know what that's going to be yet something yeah for sure last of the awful i'm going to say is the tallow we keep the kidney fat there's like this really nice fat right on top of the kidneys and you can render it yourself. You can make your own tallow products with it. You can incorporate it into lots of different things. I have started using beef tallow, but I purchased it from a company that Mary Pat was trying. <laughs> I 
<laughs> haven't actually made my own, but that would be a fun venture to try. Yeah, you should. I really like, I mean, that was my first time trying it too. And I like, I've had some pretty bad cystic acne through December mm-hmm. and January. And uh, I haven't had any since I switched to that, to wow. using the Taloprox. And I'm, that's all I'm using as a moisturizer. I, I still use the same cleanser and mm-hmm. I do use some of the same serums, but that's the only moisturizer that I'm using. Do you put that on your face in the morning and the mm-hmm. evening? Yep. After okay. I wash my face. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've liked it so far too. It's on my face right now. It is definitely something to get used to because if you're used to a mm-hmm. moisturizer that like immediately soaks into your skin – this kind of like sits on it's you know it's not i don't want to say a greasy texture but i know i it's not a greasy texture but it's i don't know how else to describe it i don't either but it is a different texture and at first i was like oh my makeup's not going to go on this very well but i like moisturize let it sit for like you know 5 to 10 minutes and then go mm-hmm. and it helps so yeah. anyway enough about tallow enough about tallow uh, this next category is just kind of random meats that we'll use for from different cuts. So stew meat, fajita meat, filling meat. They're kind of self-explanatory. The stew meat, slow cook it, use it in a soup, eat it, whatever. Fajita meat, y'all know we hardly ever use it for fajitas. We literally fry it up and just eat it or put it in a salad. Or we did actually make fajitas for the first time out of it. But I did not use a fajita seasoning. I just used my homemade beef seasoning that I know Mary Pat wants to talk about really bad because it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And I want to name drop the name really bad, but I, I don't know if it's safe yet. Don't do it. Wait. <laughs> okay. We'll save it's it. literally <laughs> my go-to now for everything. Same. Have you tried it on eggs yet? Um, Not eggs, but I've tried it on the other proteins. So. Oh, yeah. Chicken, Use it on any meat for and sure. pork. We've put it on fish too. Okay. Honestly, I haven't tried it on anything that I haven't liked. So. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I need to season this. What should I put on it? And I just grab that and it works. Yeah. It works every time. And you're just like, you say the name and you're like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the name is so great, you guys. Yeah. I can't wait to share yeah. it. <laughs> oh. Okay. Let's talk about the holy grail of beef. What is it, Mary Pat? Do you know what I'm going to say? Ground beef ground beef. It's so underrated. You've heard me say it on the podcast before. The average American only keeps one to two pounds of ground beef in their freezer. This is mind-blowing to me. I bet we blow through 10 pounds a week. I don't know that we're at that level, but I will say growing up, that was like our main meat because the way that we got meat on a dairy farm was either from, well, for the most part, this is kind of morbid, but it would be when an animal would break their leg. Mm -hmm. So like they could still get up they can still stand, but you can't sell them. And right. you have to then – you can't fix a cow's broken leg. It's not something – you can do it. You can possibly fix a calf. Maybe not even though. For the most part, an animal like that has to be euthanized when they have a broken leg. Mm-hmm. So if she could get up, we would get her butchered to not waste the meat. And then 90 – like there's a lot of cuts that aren't used. There, A lot of it ends up being ground beef at that point. Mm-hmm. So – Oh, at that point, yeah. I, I think I actually recommended to you too because I knew your mother-in-law was culling a cow that you're getting processed. And I said, don't. A cull cow, I would not make, take steaks out of it. We've tried it and they're just not that great because mm-hmm. the steaks that you're used to getting, those yeah, yummy, tender, high quality, that's from a much younger animal. Um, but our favorite ground beef is cow ground beef because it's the whole, all of the steaks, all of the everything ground into ground. And it's just a very rich mm-hmm. 
yummy ground beef flavor. And I will report back on that because she did listen. And I think she may have only gotten like fillets. I don't know. Okay. But she was very focused on what to keep out of it. And I haven't tried it yet, but she shared it with some friends and they've said like they haven't had that. That's the best ground beef they've ever had. And it was like an old cow, you guys like not. She was old. She was big. I'm sure that my mother-in-law has a ton of ground beef from her. Like I can't even imagine. We've <laughs> done this too. We had it that package in like a black package instead of a clear package. And my brother-in-law is a major food snob. He's just a foodie and he's just a great cook. And so we, I said, Mitch, try these different ground beefs and then tell me your favorite one. And his favorite, we so we had bull ground beef, cold cow ground beef, and then just regular steer ground beef. And he reported back and said that he told us which one we knew which one was which, but he didn't. And he, the cow ground beef was by far his favorite. That is, I mean, you can, that's a great testimony for it. Mm-hmm. Can you, yeah. so the bull ground beef, do you get the steaks out of a bull or no? No, absolutely not. Okay. No. And the ground beef, I don't even remember why this ended up getting butchered. He must've broken a leg or yeah. something, or there was something that the animal was going to get euthanized. So we're going to try to save something out of it. And it's super lean, super, mm. super lean. We get lean ground beef already, but this was almost like dry. Okay. Not my favorite flavor. It's definitely a tougher, different flavor. Not it. It doesn't have like that rich fatty mm-hmm. beef flavor. So what are some of your favorite ground beef recipes? Okay. So I love a good casserole, zucchini casserole, Jeff's favorite casserole. That's literally what it's called. Uh, That's the zucchini casserole? No, there's zucchini casserole and then there's Jeff's favorite casserole. Jeff Jeff is my brother. And it's literally, that's what it's called. Like I have a cookbook and it's called Jeff's favorite casserole. It's people call it shepherd's pie. I think there's like a layer of ground beef, a layer of creamed corn, a layer of mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. So good. There's a little bit more to it than that, but you get the gist. Mm-hmm. I mean, spaghetti, tacos, burgers. I like to kind of do a fun twist on burgers. Mm. Um, spinach and feta yes. burgers, one of my favorite. Delicious. There's a Greek burger recipe that's really good that I've done. Um, just a fun way to still have a burger, but it's like a fresher take on it. It's not like a burger in a bun, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. What about you? What are your favorite ground beef recipes? My okay, I mean, I grew up on this, right? So my mom made this beef stroganoff, and it's not like any other beef stroganoff I've ever had. So I don't know if it should even be called that, but it's just ground beef seasoned with salt and pepper. And then the sauce is 50-50, pretty much ketchup and sour cream. Oh. And you serve it over noodles. And yeah, I haven't cooked it in a while because Josh got sick after we the last time we ate it, not related to eating it. But he just can't stomach it at this point. It just ruined it. Yeah. yeah. But it was a favorite growing up. Um, and I still do really like that one. Uh, and then tater tot hot dish. My grandma. Tater tot casserole. Yes. Hot dish. Yeah. That's what you meant. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I also love a good beef enchilada. And those freeze really oh, well. Yes. They do freeze really yeah. well. And this one recipe that I've come back to several times that is always a favorite, especially Josh always when he lifts the pan to see it. He's like, oh, so good. Um, it's cheesesteak style Sloppy Joes. So oh. yeah, it's ground beef. And then I, I will link the recipe for you guys because you've got to try it. Um, there's The sauce has, oh goodness, Worcestershire. <laughs> Worcestershire? Worcestershire. 
<laughs> when I, I okay, it has that in the sauce, and then obviously there's like sautéed uh, onions and peppers, and I also like to add mushrooms. And you don't like mushrooms? Her face. I am not picky, but it is the one food I have tried so hard in my adult life to acquire a taste to. And it has not happened for me. Mm. It tastes like dirt with like rubber dirt. It's like the worst texture. And then it doesn't even taste good. It's the my one food. I'll eat it if it's in something. But I'm not just going to. My stepmom dirt. will just like grill up a portobello mushroom and snack on it. I, no way. Okay. No way. I don't think I've ever had mushrooms that way. But in a stir fry or in a cheesesteak, I like them. Our kids don't okay. though. So they pick them out, which is kind of a waste. But then we'll eat them. Anyway, I love a good. But then I'll use the cream of mushroom soup as kind of the base for tater tot casserole, yeah, and I'll dish. make my own. But I, <laughs> I chop it up really small, and then it's sautéed down. So I mean, I don't mind the flavor, but just like if there's a big chunk of it, I'd rather not. Okay, that makes sense. It's my one food that I just can't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, so these cheesesteak style sloppy joes, the the sauce is like the, there's a beef broth and you have to do cornstarch to thicken it up with the Worcestershire. You have it all in a pan and you top it with like thin slices of provolone cheese. Yum. It's just so good. We served it on top of toasted sourdough this week, but that's one that I keep coming back to because it's so good. Yeah. Growing up, I have never made this for Levi, but my mom would make taco ring. She had this like mm. stone pan like the pampered chef oh yeah and then you'd use crescent rolls and you kind of like make a sun thing and then you'd put taco meat around the middle and then you'd fold the crescent rolls over and then you'd bake it as a taco ring that sounds yummy yeah that was yummy my husband would love that i don't know why i've never made it for him (laughs) okay speaking of cornstarch that you were thickening I meant to mention this when we were talking about the roast because the older that I get, the more I become my my mother-in-law. And I said I'd never be that girl that just like whips up a homemade gravy. But now every time I make a roast, I whip up a homemade gravy with you just literally use the juice from the roast and then like a cup of cold water with a heaping tablespoon or two of cornstarch. You make that slurry and you put it in to thicken it. So easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much better than any kind of store-bought gravy you could ever buy. I yeah, I will never buy a gravy packet ever. Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. This was fun. Do you have more to add or how are you feeling? I don't think so. I went through my list. I hope I covered everything and gave somebody some inspiration to use that cut that's been staring at them in their freezer. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, send us a message and we will follow up. And I really we're gonna have to post a hot dish or casserole poll. Yeah. See who wins. Very. We're going to find out the <laughs> regional difference between our followers. <laughs> I've seen some reels where it's like a debate of it. I've sent them to you, I think. I hope I answered some of your questions on how to cook beef or gave you some inspiration or even encouragement to try cooking a new cut. Remember that when I married my husband, the only things that I made were spaghetti, tacos, and pizza and we just ate that on repeat so if i can cook all of these things you can too thank you so much for coming along and remember we have new episodes coming out every tuesday we truly appreciate all of your reviews and read every single one of them thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week